This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he enjoys smoked meat from his trigger. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Jason Mock, President and CEO of the San Marcos Area Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for his chamber. Two years ago, we brought in Holman Brothers to help our organization go to that next level. And in those two years, our team has transformed the way that we think about sponsorships and non-dues revenue. And I would really encourage you, if you're looking to take your chamber to the next level, to bring on the Holman Brothers. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Brian Dareberry. As president and CEO of the Charleston Metro Chamber of Commerce for 11 years, Brian leads one of South Carolina's largest chambers in its regional advancement work. Brian has an established executive management track record featuring more than 30 years in chamber leadership and advocacy roles. Prior to joining the Charleston Metro Chamber, Brian was president and CEO of the Wichita Metro Chamber of Commerce in Wichita, Kansas, where he directed the state's largest metro chamber for seven and a half years. He also served as president and CEO of the Catawba County, North Carolina, and Middleton, Ohio Chambers of Commerce, respectively. Brian began his chamber career as a state lobbyist for the Greater Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce, of course, in Ohio. He holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree in political science from Wittenberg University and is and has completed graduate coursework towards a combined MA and PhD in American politics and international relations from the American University. Brian, I'm excited to have you with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast, and I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit better. Well, Brandon, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, it's I love when you say chamber champions because I I think about all my colleagues across the country and uh, the amazingly important work they do in strengthening their business communities and advancing their regions. And I think one of the interesting parts of my background is um, my intention when I started my career uh, was to to go into lobbying full time and uh, had that chance with the Greater Cincinnati Chamber and. Uh, at that time, that was the fourth largest chamber in America and represented that business community in Columbus, Ohio, four days a week and uh, really treasured the opportunity. And somebody said to me, do you miss your lobbying days? And I think one of the things that people um, can learn about chamber executives is that uh, I said, I lobby as much now as I did when I did it full time. Right. It just looks different. <laughs> Um, I said different audiences, different opportunities. Um, A lot of times it could be anything from a neighborhood association embracing a new piece of infrastructure or a group that's not familiar with our chamber. We launched a major DE&I effort uh, three years ago. So we're we're speaking out in uh, numerous communities in our metro area and sharing with them about the chamber for the first time. 
So it's powerful to think about how every chamber exec in the country uh, and many of their teammates day in and day out need great lobbying skills. So uh, those degrees and that initial experience have really served me well. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I firmly believe that anyone listening to this that's involved with the chamber, they are champions for their community. And and when I tried thinking of a, a name for the audience, you know, it, that that seemed to fit well. So kind of rolls off your tongue, but it, it has great meaning, too. So thanks for for recognizing that. And yeah. um, to take a moment, tell us a little bit more about the, the Charleston Metro Chamber, kind of the type of chamber, scope of work, um, size, staff, budget, that sort of thing, just to give us some perspective before we dive into our conversation. You bet. Um, we have 1,600 members, um, a budget that's at six and a half million, uh, 30 full-time staff members, and we have four primary platforms that we deliver our work through. Uh, number one, like every chamber, uh, a significant membership platform. Uh, number two, a uh, important government relations platform. Uh, we have uh, three full-time lobbyists on our team, uh, one up in the state house in Columbia, and then two that work locally with our three counties and 30 municipalities. Uh, I think that's a distinctive flavor for our organization uh, with regard to how important it is to get alignment in all those communities. And I'll talk a little bit later about, we use a partner ethos to lobby versus the, uh, the bloody nose ethos that seems to be um, typical for the rest of our United States today, and that serves us very well. Uh, we have a large community advancement platform, um, and within that platform, we do diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Uh, we do significant professional development programming work for our members, and also we do workforce and talent development. And then our marketing and communications platform is the fourth platform um, with regard to making sure not only that membership uh, can actively get engaged in what we do, uh, but also the 830,000 people and 165,000 employees represented by our membership have an appreciation for uh, what goes on within the chamber. So uh, a very gifted group of folks, uh, board of directors of 68, uh, executive committee of 26. So um, very actively involving all the sectors in our metro area and the volunteer leadership of our chamber. And I know one thing the chamber champions understand out there is that um, a lot of times we have to explain to people that we are a volunteer directed organization yeah. and they'll come to us and say, oh, you need to take a position on this issue. Well, we'll go through our committee structure and determine whether we take a position on the issue or not. It's not my decision or our government relations team or our workforce development team to make a policy decision. It's the responsibility of our volunteers. And um, I think after a number of years here, people now appreciate that and they value that. Um, so I think that's another dynamic of our chamber is we very much wanna put our members in key leadership roles in directing the chamber. Uh, we see ourselves as a regional advancement organization. So we look at that three county metro area and uh, we look at big rock issues to work on. Uh, already mentioned diversity, equity, inclusion, housing attainability, uh, mobility solutions, 
uh, overall quality of business environment. Um, so significant work that will advance our region over the next 25 to 50 years. Right. I love that the fact that you you pointed out, you know, if an issue gets presented to the chamber, you take it to your committees, your board. Uh, a while back, I had Matt Morrow from the Springfield, Missouri Chamber on the podcast, and he, he talked a lot about the wisdom of crowds. And yes. when you, especially when you have a board of that size, 68 and, and different committees and whatnot, as you bring a different, you know, different topics in there, they all come in from their different backgrounds and experience and be able to know what the vision is, that the direction the chamber is trying to, to go. And then from their combined experience and wisdom, they're going to land on the best possible outcome and, and direction to, to take up on, on different issues and, and policies even. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, Brandon, I would strongly agree with your assessment. I am. Um... This is my 36th year in the profession, and I, over all those board meetings, executive committee meetings, government relations committee meetings, I've seen the wisdom of our leaders proven out time and again. And um, I think another thing that every chamber champion listening recognizes is that they may come up with a position that's contrary to what I personally believe Mm -hmm. on a policy issue, maybe even what our team believes And at the end of the day, we step forward and implement that decision uh, because it is their organization. So I think if you're young in your chamber champion development, uh, (laughs) it's important to realize that. And of course, we want passionate people in our profession. And we want people that are highly skilled and able to craft how an issue needs to be examined. But then you have to be responsible to the degree that it may end up somewhere that you didn't imagine it would go. Um, and over all those years, I've never seen it a selection of an outcome or a policy position that wasn't best for the business community. So my encouragement would be to trust that leadership, um, trust working with them to find the right pathway forward for your community. Uh, and there's an old saying, you and I both heard it, Brandon, you know, if, if they write it, they'll underwrite it. That's so right. if, they, if they develop it and feel it's their own, um, they will get up and give public testimony. They'll provide funding for lobbying efforts. Um, so that's part of the beauty of this profession is that, uh, you know, we do lead heterogeneous organizations. Uh, this is not the American Dental Association or the American Medical Association. So we'll have everything from a, a sole proprietor to um, somebody leading Joint Base Charleston here with 26,000 employees. And all across that spectrum, people will bring input and interest, and that'll craft a composite position or a composite direction that's really powerful. Right. Takes a lot of patience. That's right. It does. <laughs> it takes a lot of patience. So our topic for our discussion today, I'm a big fan of, of helping people and, and even chambers to understand the potential, the power within them to become something greater. And for our discussion today, we're focusing on looking 25 years into the future, which I think is very important in that aspect as far as realizing what the potential is of your organization to be able to see what direction you can go and, and what needs to happen, you know, those, those baby steps, so to speak, between here and there. And uh, we'll, we'll dive into this discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. 
Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chamber Nation hears from its customers that they help make it fun again to present the value of membership. That's because so much is provided to help each member promote their business, and with monthly ROI reports from Chamber Nation, they know their membership is already working to help them succeed. There are three words in Chamber of Commerce, and Chamber Nation knows that their customers take care of the Chamber, but Chamber Nation takes care of the Commerce. This way, both teams working side-by-side deliver a whole lot more in membership value. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. From frustrations trying to connect with decision makers, to trouble demonstrating value, to difficulties adjusting to an uncertain post-COVID world, who does your membership rep turn to for expert membership sales advice? Holman Brothers can help right now. Their year-round next-level coaching program supplies a total coaching and mentoring support system in a way that's never been available for membership pros. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching. All right, Brian, we are back. And as I mentioned before the break, we're talking about looking 25 years into the future. Um, as a chamber organization looking into the future, um, at the end of this conversation, I'll ask you how you see the future of chambers going forward. But in the meantime, before we get to that future, how do you see from here moving forward over the, the next 25 years? Brandon, we do something that we feel is particularly powerful. Um, about mid-year, we'll begin a process called annual partnership calls. So we will go to somewhere between 180 to 250 of our members. And we sit down and um, we ask a couple of questions that uh, – influence what that runway looks like over the next 25 years. The first question is, talk about the next three to five years of your company and identify where you think there are excellent opportunities for your competitive growth, and then identify things that are impediments, speed bumps. And and then we just, we're quiet. 
And I think anytime you ask somebody about their company and how they're doing, where they're going, uh, what's working, what's challenging, you get really good, really good input. And the other, the other question that really registers with them is that if there were one to two things in our metro area that you could change for the better, what would they be? So I'd love to tell you we come back with a lot of disparate information and no agreement. We come back with a real clear picture as to what are the most significant opportunities and what are the most pressing challenges. And when we look at those in combination, uh, a lot of what we described on how we're designed as an organization um, is influenced by the annual partnership calls. Uh, in our area, housing attainability is the number one regional issue. Um, it will be a 25-year fix um, to get the proper stock, the proper pricing. Um, we're in a real challenge with regard to uh, our supply versus our demand. We're growing by 33 net people a day, and we're just having a hard time providing workforce housing that's affordable. So we have a, a huge coalition working on that, all three counties, public sector partners, private sector leaders, citizens, different associations. And we know right now we're, we're 86,000 houses behind for attainable housing in our metro market. That's a couple decades. Yeah. So another one is mobility solutions. We're getting ready in 2026 to uh, undertake high-speed bus lanes. Uh, so major mass transit project, um, 21 miles, 20, 20 stops along the way. Uh, and for our metro, you know, if you're in a, in a, we were just in Boston for a metro leadership visit. They've been hopping on the T for a while now. Uh, for us, that's an important first step. There will be other lines that follow. But removing, even if we can remove 8 to 10% of the traffic from our highways, that extends their longevity. It cuts down on congestion. Um, so those are the kinds of issues that emerge. And um, it's not us sitting in some room at the chamber figuring out where we go the next 25 years. It's the people that want to be the employers, the citizens, the electeds that continue to help our region thrive, identify where we're going. And in that mix, there are many of our elected bodies, there are stakeholder partners. So we're getting a really great level of input that's formulating <clears throat> where we go. The other thing we just completed, we did a, an 18 month study. Um, uh, it's called One Region Roadmap and um, used S.B. Friedman out of Chicago, Illinois to um, undertake our effort. And what it does is uh, a lot of communities they'll know what those big rock issues are. It doesn't take very long to figure those out. But this is going to be a 10-year plan where every year we'll identify five to seven priorities for the region to work on collectively. And there will be, uh, we're using a local governing network, um, which my political science professors from long ago would have really liked hearing. Uh, but what that is, it means there'll be a lead agent. We're gonna be the lead agent for housing attainability. We'll involve other stakeholders throughout the community. And then we'll begin to work on gaining annual metric identified success 
and creating more attainable housing. So equitable digital access is another one. Uh, entrepreneurial development is another one. But this gives us a roadmap as a region for a decade. And at the heart of the one region roadmap is um, equitable access for all of our citizens to living, learning, and earning opportunities. So I think you have to have a foundational piece that engages everyone. And that's the piece. We want everybody to be able to have those attributes as we move through the decades ahead. So listen well, build a strategic plan that has lead agents that will be responsible for the work that's being undertaken and then get after it year in and year out. Uh, we have a large steering committee that will evaluate um, each of the lead agents on an annual basis to make sure they're performing. So, um, you know, it's the classic thing, Brandon, if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's right. So um, we're just really dedicated to that kind of work. And I, I would encourage chamber champions across the country that are listening. Um, there's a couple of key learnings in there. Uh, number one, you want to bring as many people along as possible. So get out and talk to your members, talk to your elected officials, um, talk to the people that you're going to need to do this with. We never say the chamber is going to do this work. We say, along with our partners, we're going to tackle these annual priorities. The other thing is to make them concrete. That's hard for a lot of communities. I've been in other communities that love to study and talk. But when you say annually, we're going to achieve X, we're going to accomplish Y, and then you report on it, then you have credibility. Then it's not a study that goes and sits on the shelf and collects dust. So listen well, engage others, be concrete, and produce results. So we're, we're excited about One Region Roadmap. We kick it off in October. So um, when you and I talk this time next year, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be able to I'll be able to tell you more about Get the, uh, the first year of one region roadmap. Yeah, so I know leading up to to this discussion, you had shared with me uh, some of these topics that you guys are are looking on, as, uh, maybe areas of focus as you look to the future of Charleston, and and you talked about some of these like the attainable housing and the um, uh, you know the infrastructure and mobility and and things mm -hmm. like that. As you have these different, we'll call them topics, areas of focus, um, how do you go about focusing on each one? I assume there's some sort of a committee at, for each area of focus. Is that right? How do you, so it's one thing to create the vision and we need to expand and, and put some focus in it and work over in these areas. But then how do you go from that, that vision to actually rolling it out to Let's take some action on these different steps. What does that look like there in Charleston? You know, it's, it's interesting. And I, I think inherent in your, in your question is a couple things for chamber champions. Number one, regardless of the size of your chamber, and I, um, I have a deep passion for chambers that have staff under the number of 10. Um, I think they work harder than any other chamber in the country you're going to need to hire some experts. Um, we've been very intentional over the past 11 years that we add people to our team that have significant expertise. So while they won't do it on their own, they have 
a career track record in the areas, whether it's workforce development, government relations, diversity, equity, and inclusion, attainable housing, they're an expert. Because I, I think that you, you'll be pleased as a chamber when you make that investment. And when you're smaller, it may be one or two major issues. Um, so we've been very intentional about in that group of 30, hiring people that have that level of expertise. The other thing that we've done is built a very strong committee structure. So um, however those issues are moving through our organization, there are one or two or more committees that will be touching them and will be following through on what we commit to do organizationally to achieve results. The final thing is, I talked a little bit about that local governing network, and if anybody would like information on that, we're happy to share. You have to engage the whole region. So you look at something like the high-speed bus lanes. Um, our Berkeley, Charleston, Dorchester Council of Governments is working with all the governments along that set of high-speed bus lane routes. Uh, we're working it through our uh, regional policy committee, which handles all of our uh, local regional work, but there also is going to be a lead agent in that area that will pull together how many ever stakeholders are required to implement. So a lot of it's leveraging what I call critical mass. So um, you got some key folks at the top that have expertise, and then they're bringing partners together to, in this instance, transportation um, overlays for development on those 20 bus stops. So, you know, there's some sophistication that's required when you do that kind of work. So, you know, my encouragement would get experts on your team, make sure the region understands the top issues, bring stakeholders together that can move the issue. And then again, metric it, make sure over five, 10, 15, 20 years, you're making progress. Because in that time frame, Brandon, you and I both know you're going to have different mayors, you're going to have different city councils, you're going to have different county councils, you're going to have a different state legislative delegation. So you have to be, you chamber and top stakeholders that are in it for the long run, you have to keep the plumb line very clear and keep coming back to the issues. Because a lot of times public and private sector partners can get easily distracted. So um, that's the other thing is that um, we look at all of our work as forever work. Okay. You're forever so doing daunting. housing attainability. Yeah. <laughs> You're forever improving infrastructure. You're forever maintaining your business climate. For us as a coastal community, you're forever looking at resiliency. So part of that is developing a drumbeat internally to be in it for the long game. Yeah. Right. Every year, as you said, you want to have annual achievements, but you have to have those long game goals, talented team, great partners, focus and metrics to be able to move to, uh, we call them big rock issues. Yeah. Because um, they don't go away. Right. Uh, you know, so somebody said that, you know, we have funding, we have something called Accelerate Greater Charleston that funds uh, a lot of the professional staff that the technical professional staff. And somebody said, well, when are we going to stop doing Accelerate Greater Charleston? <laughs> and we just smile and we say, never. 
whenever you give up, you know, like if you want to, if you want to quit, you know, and last one out, cut off the lights. (laughs) And what I think what helps private sector companies, especially if they're developing products, I said, you have an R and D arm, don't you? And they, oh yeah, we have research and development. Well, for chambers, your research and development is positioning the region for the future and putting the building blocks in place. I said, if your R&D went away, you'd be selling the same product over and over. You're always looking to improve. And that begins to help people wrap their brains around, okay, this is forever work. This is a long game. And the other beauty I just shared earlier, we went to Boston with 100 leaders, is get your leaders out to other metro markets that have like opportunities and challenges so they can see the kind of work they've done. And then we come home and people say, hey, we saw how they did that in Boston. We can do that. Or they come home and say, wow, they had a big miss. We can really learn from that. So when we tackle a like issue, we don't make the same mistakes. Uh, The other beauty of that trip is that you think all the leaders in your community know each other and kind of have a comparable set of aspirations. They don't. No. So when you get a hundred people together that are having lunch and dinner and uh, some staying up till uh, college late hours, uh, (laughs) getting to know each other better, they come home aligned. You know, a lot of this is about not only what you're tackling, but it's alignment and persistence. Um, So that annual trip kind of says, okay, we've gotten to X with high-speed bus lanes. So we're going to go look at somebody that's either built them all the way out or maybe they have light rail. So again, it's, I call it staying 20% dissatisfied, never, never 100% satisfied that, that you have to continually prod the region to achieve at a higher level. Um, part of the challenge too, Brandon, is that, you know, I've been in places that are BB plus communities. It's hard to get a BB plus to an A. Mm -hmm. It's really easier to take a C or a D and pop it up to an A because people feel the threat. They feel the need for collaboration and alignment. You know, when you're a B plus, you're kind of fat and happy. Right. Do we really need to be an A? You're, You're too comfortable. You're too comfortable. make any adjustments. Yeah. And, and that's when we say there are 396 other MSAs in this nation that want our employers and they want our talent. So yes, we need to be an A. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that point. And uh, the being the 20% dissatisfied, it's yeah. just always, always looking for that room to improve. I love that. Absolutely. So, and I'm sure this answer will vary, but as there are different committees and whatnot on these different topics, um, you had mentioned doing these leadership visits to other cities, which I think is awesome. It's a great way to, to look at a certain topic and how a city that you may aspire to be like in, in certain aspects, um, there, I see great value in that. As far as the, the nitty gritty, the day-to-day, uh, how often do some of these committees meet? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it quarterly? Are they all different depending on what it is? How do you, uh, how do you see that in your community? They're, they're at least monthly, if not twice a month. Um, and we're, we're big believers. Our board this year will have had 10 board meetings and 10 executive committee meetings. 
you know, I hear people say, oh, we, we, you know, chamber champions, I apologize if I'm stepping on toes. Oh, we do a quarterly. Okay. These kinds of issues, if you do a quarterly and somebody misses a quarterly meeting, they miss half a year. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we call that creating a drum beat, uh, whether it's committees that are working on policy or programs or initiatives or executive committee and board. If you lose the drum beat within your organization on key issues, you're not going to be able to move fast enough to make a difference. Um, well, they're all busy people. I'm going to give you a great example, Brandon. We, we tried to go to every other month when I was in Wichita and the board rebelled. <laughs> but that's a cool message. Yeah. They want to meet monthly. So I think sometimes, yeah, it's a lot of work. We have an amazing executive ops team and it's, it's a lot of work to do 20 meetings a year with, you know, large lead volunteer bodies and it's the work we signed up for. Absolutely. Uh, and it's that forever work. As you it's said. that forever work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing we talk about is, and, and I just met with our exec ops team yesterday and they are incredible. And we said, our goal is to create an experience for every volunteer that has never been met or matched in our metro area from knowing about their family, their names, their interests, and taking care of them. So when it comes time for one of them to be an officer or to lead a committee or to get more of their people engaged, heck yeah, I'm going to do it with the Charleston Metro Chamber. Yeah. So that, that kind of intentional focus. And um, that's why we sold out that trip to Boston in record time. And we don't want to take 200 people. You know, we kind of like a hundred. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you get over a hundred, you start to have a three ring circus and um, they don't bond the same way. Yeah. Um, but that, that internal clock for us, it's kind of like a metronome. How are we honoring them and engaging them? So they think I've never had a volunteer experience like this um, because let's face it. We are battling for their time, talent, and treasure. There are 4,600 non and not-for-profits in just the greater Charleston area, wow. 4,600. You know, as your communities get bigger, that's probably 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. Um, so it's pretty rarefied air to get top leaders. The other thing we do a little bit different because we are really committed to DE&I is that we don't have to have the, the gal or the guy in the corner office. A lot of organizations just say, oh, I only want the CEO or the president. Right. What we'll say is give me number three or number four that will be that CEO and president in 10 to 15 years. Yeah. So we can have the level of gender, ethnic, racial diversity on our board that reflects our community. Uh, it also makes us a lot more healthy from an organizational standpoint. And possibly more time to give to the purpose and the cause that you're working on. If you always go for the number one, they're going to be some of the busiest people. Not that Absolutely. the number three or four is not busy, but they're able to work it in a little bit more and, and build that future along with you. Um, so you've hit on some really awesome points in our, our discussion here. Um, if you were to try to 
condensed down to maybe a, a tip or an action item for chamber champions listening that want to take their chamber up to the next level, what would you put out there and suggest for them to consider? I think my greatest tip would be pick one to three things and become expert. And, and that, that's going to weave right back into what we've been talking about, Brandon. You've got to be committed to do it long term. So let's say you pick developing a pipeline from your high schools and middle schools for your top two or three business sectors. Just know front side that that's going to be 15 to 25 years. Um, I think what we learned during the pandemic, because it was probably a sharing experience for every chamber and business member association in our nation, is that it was the meaningful work that maintained our most significant investors. It wasn't the business after hours. It wasn't the networking events. It was they could look at the chamber and the chamber in our metro area got together with the, the Council of Governments and other stakeholders, and we created a whole reopening strategy for our metro marketplace. Um, we met every day at four o'clock, Monday through Thursday, for almost six months to get the region opened again. Um, I felt like I had a whole new family. And sometimes it got irritating, <laughs> but I wouldn't have traded that. We, we built bonds between organizations and governments that we never had before. So that would be my tip. Be, be substantive, be relevant. And, and we use a term, I think it's the, you know, if you were to ask me the, the chamber's magic power or secret sauce, we use a term called SANE Center, S-A-N-E. Your chamber chamber champions can be the same center on these issues. You can bring parties together and whether it's workforce development, whether it's diversity, equity, inclusion, whether it's housing attainability, whether it's infrastructure solutions, um, whether it's recruitment and retention of either businesses or employees, you can be the organization that brings all the parties together that need to be aligned to do the work. Um, that to me is what a, a chamber really is. Um, our, our mission statement is initiate, advocate and empower the region to produce a prosperous business environment. And it's a little different than a lot of chambers because they flip business environment and region. We know that our region has to have the ingredients that are aligned to make employers, employees, and citizens successful. So look at the region as your laboratory. Look at your county as your laboratory. If you're a city chamber, look at your city as a laboratory and find those one to three things that really need to be worked on. That would be my greatest encouragement. And, and when you do it, you're going to get real popular real fast. So you're going to have to learn how to say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because they'll say this chamber did such a good job on developing those middle and high school talent pipelines for industry. We won't want them to do this now. We want them to do that. So I think the other thing is to, when you do those annual partnership calls, um, as I mentioned to you, we didn't come back with 50 things. 
came back with probably five to seven things that every employer is focused on. So, um, you know, stick to those critical realities and, and go deep and do a great job. And then when it comes renewal time and recruitment time, somebody will say, oh, yeah, that chamber, they really have the best interest of the business community in our region in mind. They're worth investing in. So right. that would be my do stuff that matters and do it well. I love that. So the question that I mentioned at the very beginning that, that we would circle back to towards the end is how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? I'm bullish. I um, <laughs> I think about what's occurred over the, who knows what we're in, pandemic, endemic, the past two, three quarters of a year. And um, I know for our chamber, just to, to bring it home to right here, we look totally different than when we entered. Um, we have a set of members, a set of stakeholders, uh, a set of raving fans in the community because of how we opened up our organization for allowing us to assist anybody that needed help. And that, that runs a little counter to the, the typical, oh, we only help members. Yeah. Well, when, when your community is facing what we've all faced um, during the pandemic, you help everybody you can help. Uh, and, and you make, again, choices. Um, so we look very different today. We look more open to diverse partners, diverse audiences. Um, and we're working on stuff a lot of chambers, you know, 20 years ago. Maybe if you were in a, a major metro community, you were doing DE&I. Uh, but I think chambers are going to be leaders for their regions. <coughs> Excuse me. In the years ahead, unlike any other time. Um, I think that the credibility of the chamber, uh, when they tackle those issues, even if they're not successful, and they're going to be successful in the vast majority of instances, um, I think there's a caring tone and tenor and a level of respect by leaders saying, yeah, we need a rallying point. And I think it, I think it's chambers. Yeah. If, if your chamber's worth its salt, um, it'll step into that opportunity and, uh, and really make a big difference. So I'm, I'm very excited for the future. Um, however, I do believe one of the things we continually learn is that um, it, can't, it can't be all about the fun stuff. Right. And I mean, there are, somebody said to me, how many organizations in your community do networking events? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Probably all 4,600 yeah. not-for-profits. Yeah. So yes, do we have strong programming? We do. Uh, we do, but we're probably one of the community's leaders for providing professional development programming. We have six different leadership types of offerings. Um, so we know right now, um, as you well know in your market, Brandon, attracting and retaining talent is the number one business issue. Yeah. So again, always making sure your chamber is plugged into what's relevant and then providing it with the highest level of expertise you can undertake. And if you're small, don't let that slow you down. You've got people in your membership. You've got volunteers and members that can come alongside of you 
and build out the type of programming that you need. Uh, that's one of the powers of small communities is that they, they can really rally that type of asset set and, and make it work. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm you know, I, I think that uh, chambers have always been uh, amazingly relevant. Uh, we celebrate a little birthday next year. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be 250 years old. Wow. That's... We're, the, we're the oldest continuing operating chamber in America. So founded three years before our nation became a country. Um, I'd say we're in it for the long game. Yeah. Doing that forever work. I love it. So <laughs> I'd love for you to be able to share some, uh, any contact information for listeners who might want to reach out and connect with you and learn sure. more about how you guys um, are doing sure. things there in Charleston. It's, it's a uh, real easy, uh, B as in boy, uh, my last name, D E R R E B E R R Y at Charleston Chamber. Org. That is perfect. And I'll get that in our show notes for this episode yeah. too. So if somebody always, always happy to talk this profession and um, you know, I think your, your question, Brandon on the future is that uh, many chambers are at an inflection point. Mm -hmm. um, there were ways that they used to do things and things that used to matter. And the inflection point is some of those still have value uh, the greater value, though, is marshalling the, the leaders and assets of your community and aligning them and doing significant work. So um, we're, we're at that neat juncture. So many chambers have already crossed over. Um, uh, and, and if anybody wants to talk about the both the rewards and the pitfalls, because um, it's hard when you enter into a new area um, right. of work. Uh, and also there are ways to enter in that you can have some immediate victories and set yourself up for long-term success. Yeah. I think that's important to be able to have that encouragement going along that, that you are going in the right direction. Yeah. So I love that. Well, Brian, I, I appreciate you spending time with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast, providing you know great vision and insight for Chamber Champions listening I'm sure everyone got a lot of value out of this, but thank you for, for being a part of the program today. I appreciate it. Well, I love you championing our industry. I um, believe so greatly in the work that I see peer organizations and colleagues do across the country. And uh, uh, America is great because of great chambers. So thank you for being an advocate. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. 
Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.